Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm okay. I, uh, I'm nursing a hot toddy right now, and I had two Benadryl earlier, so um, things could get really interesting in that I might just um, pass out on my keyboard in the next hour. <laughs> no problem, no problem. <laughs> going to be a nice, relaxed episode. Yeah, super, super chill here on this Monday night on um, – we're recording this. This won't go up for a couple of weeks, but uh, this is Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, it is. And as some people know it, Columbus Day, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, it's um, kind of – I would describe it as a very uh, – this weather is like very aggressively draining – yeah, it was extremely dark leaving work today and I left relatively early and it's just it's just that feeling of that that kind of weather coming back is is really depressing. I don't know how else to put it. It's kind of a cliche at this point, but yeah, it, it's real. That that darkness is is coming. The darkness and then today too um just the humidity, just like this thick, thick soupy air and like kind of raining but then also the kind of weather where it Oh, a gust of wind will blow and you're sweating and suddenly you're freezing and you're already wearing a rain jacket that's not breathing God. and I, I don't know we got we got the we got the worst of it today it was it was it was raining it was humid it was dark all day it was dark early it was it was it was a lot it's a vision of things to come over the next few months here in the on the east coast i think yeah, I mean, the classic tradition of if you get two people who are in New York at the same time, the weather discussion gets gets so out of hand. Next, we're <laughs> going we're to be talking about, you know, tr- what trains we take and how to get to wherever. Oh, so I'm sure, oh, I'm I sure love this will be super about the train, though. I love to make the show as relevant as possible to everyone who, uh, who lives in New York and everyone else gets to just sort of um, talk about our liberal elite problems, you know? I mean, I think it's crazy how how much or it, it's it's wild how much how New Yorkers love talking about commutes. <laughs> um, and I didn't I don't think I was fully aware of it, but I've become very aware of it through Twitter. Um, <laughs> this I summer, especially, it. it's been kind of a bonding uh, point. I think that's like true of a lot of things in this city, right, is like people feel like they're constantly under siege by the everything happening around them and the high cost of living here and all this stuff. And they feel like if they can bond with, with another human being over the most mundane thing, then they found this point of human contact. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm from here and, and I've lived here most, most all of my life, but I, I tell people it's just, it's not an easy place to live. And some of that can be a bonding experience, I think, because everyone is just kind of someone, one of my friends actually, he moved here a while ago and I, it was a long time ago. And I remember him saying the thing about New York is that like, even like people with like a lot of money have to take the train and like, we're all living in apartments that are like too small and we're all doing these things that kind of put you on a little bit of equal footing, like not in reality, but in some ways it makes you feel equal, you know? Yeah. There's something kind of beautiful about that to the extent that it's still true. I mean, I think, um, it's becoming less and less true, but definitely the idea of everyone taking the train is like, ah, that's kind of cool. Like I'm, I'm sort of into the ways that like this city f- forces you to encounter people who aren't like you. And I think there's a lot of dynamics that are shifting that from being the reality of things where people, you know, especially newcomers to the city, like white people, um, mm-hmm. from like, other parts of the country um, are able to sort of insulate and just like, you know, with things like ride sharing or like food delivery, all the stuff you're, it's really easy to sort of stay in a bubble and not really encounter anyone different from you, which is I think really sad because that's one of the um, really great things about cities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's getting easier and easier to insulate yourself and to kind of hang out with the same people and hang out in the same places. But at the same time, I think it's just, it's still the kind of city where you, you get, you get, you encounter people and things that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And you, so you have been here most of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in, I grew up in Brooklyn and I, 
went to school in Philadelphia, which is like two hours away. So I didn't yeah. really, I didn't really, I didn't really go very far <laughs> mm-hmm. at the time I wasn't here. And then I, I just came right back. So that's wild. Um, I feel like, <laughs> does that ever come up? Like if you're like talking to someone at a party, did I feel like everyone kind of just, most people that I know assume that people, um, have moved to New York. I feel like it's been always been a place that people perceive as you, you move to, uh, when actually, obviously a lot of people were born here and have lived there here their whole lives. I mean, it's, it is weird though, because I, I do come across that same assumption. Cause even I make that assumption that if mm-hmm. I meet somebody, I assume that they, they are from somewhere else. And if they've been here a long time, that probably means like five years, you know what right, I mean? Or, right. or, or may, or maybe a little more than that. Um, it's, it's a little weird because also I don't want it to sound like when people are like, Oh, so where are you from? Cause you know, that's what people ask, you know, mm-hmm. when you meet people at a bar or something for the first time, uh, I kind of say, Oh, I'm from here. It's, it's like a weird, <laughs> it's a weird thing to say because like, I think people sometimes don't expect that. And then also there's a little bit of awkwardness about, you know, just the, just the kind of dynamics of, of someone who just moved here versus, you know, someone who's, who's lived here a long time. I'm sure there's like some, some assumed resentment on, the, on their part, <laughs> um, which there's a little bit of that. I'm not gonna lie. There's probably a little bit of that, but I, it, it, it's a little bit awkward. It's a little bit more awkward of a conversation than you would think, I guess. Yeah, I know. I can totally see that. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it is weird the way those conversations play out. Um, yeah, and um, I was I was uh, reading something that you had written a while ago for Mask Magazine, um, mm-hmm. where you you have that column. Do you still is that still going on? Or I had the most horrible writer's block in the world, so it's kind <laughs> of like very loose. Where I okay. kind of quit it, but at the same time, I'm sure the the, the people at Mask are really great. The editors are really nice. Everyone's really cool. So I'm sure if I wanted to write something again, I could start up. But it's it's kind of on break right now. Okay, cool. I mean, it's a great column, and obviously, Mask Magazine is incredible. So if people um, aren't aware of it or haven't checked it out, then uh, they should totally do that. But there's a, a piece that you wrote for that um, mm-hmm. like sometime last year about the dynamics of like people moving to the city, and especially Brooklyn, and the ways that they talk about that, um, and just the idea of like trying to be a good neighbor. Um, or trying yeah. to be a part of a community, like what does that look like? Yeah, I think I think you just I think it's not that complicated in the sense that you you kind of take the idea of all right, you you enter someone's home for the first time, their mm-hmm. apartment, their house, or something as a, as a guest, and you kind of have these things that you're not even thinking about that are just kind of ingrained in you in terms of like how you act when you're in someone else's house mm-hmm. or someone else's home to put it more specifically. And I think you kind of just take those things and you apply it to moving to a city. You know, I mean, it's the same idea. It's just, it's just being a little bit more self-aware about your place in the city and the things that have kind of been done to the city to benefit you and being a little bit more considerate of just the people around you, whether or not they're from here, actually, just because living in any kind of densely populated place, you're so close with people. You're, you're so, you know, crunched into that subway car next to people. There's a certain level of, of, there's a certain level of consideration that just requires you to kind of exist day to day, I think in a place like this. Um, So I would say that, just more about people just being more self-aware about their place in in, in the city and, and how other people might react to them and, and how they talk about things and the words that they use um, to mm-hmm. describe things here. Um, I think it's just being more thoughtful about those kinds of issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's uh, interesting that we're talking about this stuff today um, because the language that people use often to talk about this stuff is very reminiscent of colonialist language um, when people talk about like discovering a, a neighborhood or settling a neighborhood um, or right. talk about talk about certain places as dangerous. Um, it's very much like, oh, this gentrification is like this. It's very similar to colonialism in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think I think some people might 
bristle at that a little bit. And uh, what a day to discuss this, I guess, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's really true. I think, I think in some ways, even something, even saying something like, Oh, a neighborhood is being like bettered or this neighborhood is better now mm-hmm. than it was or something. I think that we don't realize, even if, even as someone who grew up here, I may not even realize it sometimes that when things change like that, you have to, you have to like, think about like all the people that that have been displaced so you can have a cheese shop or something, you know what I mean? Or, or all the, or how many people have been priced out of their neighborhoods and like why it's easy to assume that when people, when you talk to a person that you just meet for the first time in the city, why do you assume that they're from out of town? Because so many people have been priced out. So many of my friends that I grew up with don't live here anymore. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it is very similar the way that, and even especially the way that people talk about it. Yeah. That term, I remember that story about someone talking about settling some neighborhood in Brooklyn. It was like some kind of altercation between two people who probably lived here combined 10 years or something. And it was, it's, it's weird. I just think people should just be a little bit more considerate in general, but also just as far as living in a city and and living in this kind of weird time where things are so rapidly changing and everyone is being priced out. And then there's, there's like just wave after wave of, of people coming in. and, And now there's like a little bit of a rift between people who have been here even five years versus who just got here and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, this stuff is like, it's so complex. And I feel like I mentioned this book on literally every episode of this show. But uh, my my friend Sarah Shulman wrote this book called uh, The Gentrification of the Mind. And um, Mm -hmm. one of the big points that she makes is that a lot of the, like, in like the 70s, um, you know, the people who had moved to the city would actually become a lot more integrated with the communities and like areas that they were moving to. Um, and there was an abundance of, uh, of cheap housing. And um, when, one of the things that changed that and that sort of sparked the whole era that we're in now is that um, the sort of mass deaths of uh, gay men, especially from HIV, mm-hmm. Uh, basically allowed developers to snatch up all of those buildings um, and all those units because they wouldn't pass to their partners at the time. Um, And they just like jacked the prices up on them. Um, So there's all these dynamics happening that, um, yeah, it's, it's so complicated and it's um, such like this massive thing that just like anyone who I feel like lives in a city has to grapple with. And I think that it's so, like you mentioned, even something like that, it's so complicated and such an incredible thing that's happened. And there's so many factors involved and there's so many causes and, and things to be done about it that it can feel overwhelming as one person. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do about this? Because I think what I try to get across in that piece that we were talking about earlier that I wrote was I don't want to begrudge anyone their choice of where they want to live or, you know, what kind of lifestyle they want to pursue. And I don't want people to to feel like they, they shouldn't move to a place because of gentrification or something. If that's not something, people should be able to choose where they want to live. But you also have to just, you, the one thing you can do is be a better neighbor, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. is be considerate. Like, that's just something that if if we all were doing that, you know, it at least will improve some of what's going on, obviously there's a lot of structural things that are more, much more complicated than being a good neighbor, but that's at least one thing you can do as, as a single person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like even, um, like I, I, it's super hard sometimes. Um, I think like reaching out to the people around you. Um, and I think a lot of people, myself included, are, like, sometimes really hesitant to do that. Like, even just, like, knowing who your neighbors are is, right. like, is, like, tough to be, like, oh, hey, I'm making this gesture of, like, reaching out, and it's kind of vulnerable. But, like, um, especially, like, I think if you live in an apartment build- building or something, like, um, and, like, just knowing the people you live with is, um, I think, again, like, an experience that um, w- was more common and um, it feels like it's becoming less common. 
Yeah, I think that's that's just something that's also happening across the board because yeah. I feel like I read some kind of weird, you know, shame shame millennial think piece about how no one <laughs> talks to their neighbors anymore. And I get that to some extent, but it's not just about this like 1950s vision of, yeah. of neighbor, neighborly borrow a cup of sugar sort of thing. Because the, the flip side of, I think, what people view as New Yorkers being rude or people who live in New York as being rude is that we're so in each other's space all the time <laughs> that, yeah, we don't make eye contact with each other. And, yeah, we don't make small talk with each other because you don't have physical space. So it almost feels like you have to give other people around you that mental space and that, mm. like, of not staring at them, of not, like, making small talk. How you doing, you know? So it, it's a it's a weird thing. It sounds like I'm I'm contradicting myself a little bit, but I think it's it's there's a difference between you know trying to be a good neighbor and trying to know something about the people that you live with, essentially, and also giving kind of strangers space and respect, considering just how on top of each other we are. Right. Yeah. There's these like these adaptations that you have to make to living in a city. Um, <laughs> Like, I remember when I was teaching, um, when I was in grad school, like, one of the professors would always ask the undergrads, like, you know, if they came from a small town. Um, and we were in Seattle, so it's not even, like, really a, a big city. But um, right. just, like, ask them if they thought people were rude. And, like, they kind of did. But it was, like, yeah, if you stopped to talk to, like, everyone that you knew that you came across or just everyone everyone in general, like, nothing would happen. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I get that. And I think people are certain, are used to certain, like, politeness things, depending on, like, where you're from or or kind of any number of reasons, you know, how you maybe how, how your parents or, or how you were raised to think about niceties or whatever. But people say, people might say, oh, New Yorkers are, aren't rude because, you know, they don't make small talk, they don't, like, say good morning or whatever. But how many times have you seen you know, a stranger trying to help a tourist find their way on the subway. Or right, right. Giving directions. Like, if you stop to talk to a stranger in New York and needed help or something, like, nine times out of ten, I think that person would, would like, point you in the right direction or try to help you. They wouldn't ignore you. It's just, but they're not going to go out of their way to kind of, like, stop your, the flow of your day, I guess, to say good morning. Right. Or to, you know what I mean? I think but it's, if, like, it's if a I need different to, thing. If I need to find out where, um, you know, Guy Fieri's restaurant is, then... <laughs> if you need to know that, if you don't already know, then you're not a true New Yorker. So, yeah, I mean, only in New York, right? Only in New uh, York can you get fine dining. Ah, uh, like donkey that. sauce. Um, so <laughs> I have just about finished this hot toddy, and I wanted to ask you about the Pinnacle Whipped Cream Vodka. Oh, my God. The Pinnacle Whipped um, Cream Vodka. Now, uh, some time ago, you tweeted, half a bottle of Pinnacle Whipped Cream Vodka from two years ago sits in my freezer as a monument to a failed date. I live in a damn war museum. Uh, I want to ask if that bottle is still in your freezer. I actually finally threw it away. I <laughs> finally, it was, it's, it moved from the freezer to the fridge for a while. Um, <laughs> kind of wishful so, thinking. Yeah. So it, it, it probably sat in the freezer for like seriously two or three years. And then it probably spent like another six months to a year in the refrigerator. <laughs> and then finally I was looking at it and I was just like, I think I can let this go now. Like, you know, I think this is becoming an unhealthy relationship with me and this, this whipped cream vodka that I did not touch or drink any of <laughs> because I don't I hate myself sometimes I don't hate myself that much so so I threw it out finally but it, it's it's gone it's gone so this was the first time I had ever heard of whipped cream vodka it's apparently a thing but flavored vodka in general is a very uh dangerous proposition I, in my mm. opinion I'm not a big vodka drink, drinker in general but I don't know about many flavored vodkas that go over well especially if they're like ice cream themed or whatever you would call it. Oh. There's so many. There, there's like whipped cream. There's there's like marshmallow vodka. There's no. all kinds. And it's just like, that can't be good. That can't be good. I think my my first bad experience with vanilla vodka was probably like in college. was like in college. I drank like some vanilla vodka or something and it was awful and it tasted as bad as it sounds. Um, but yeah. Mm, that Yeah, that doesn't sound... Oh God. I, I'm on the Pinnacle website now. And oh, there's, yeah. there's a recipe for a pinnacle s'mores latte. 
Um, yeah, why is that a thing? And why there's like should... the edge of the glass is frosted with marshmallow fluff. No, you see that that's too far. That's it's way too, too far. And there's like a roasted marshmallow on a stick laid across the glass. So you're going to really torture marshmallow and spirit and, you know, get some marshmallow fluff out to, to make yourself a nice drink after work. Like, God. is that like, I don't understand. Well, I don't know. Maybe I just don't understand the the bar business. I don't know. I'm no John Taffer. Um, <laughs> so I just don't understand who, who these recipes are for. But, you know, more power to you if that's what you're into. Like, people should like what, they're li- what they like. Oh, I absolutely. Really believe, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. But I, I got to say, I'm not, I'm not pro whipped cream vodka. Yeah, I'm um, – God, there's just so many things on this. Just so many kinds. I just – I'm getting lost in this. Um, there's habanero vodka. There's cake – no. Okay, come on. Come on. There's is it cake? Cake vodka. I feel like the fact that birthday cake is a flavor in this country is just like a testament to – just like that's all you need to know about like uh, late capitalism is like there are birthday cake flavored Oreos. It's wild to me that birthday cake is a flavor, but it's it's wilder that we all know exactly what we're talking about when you say <laughs> birthday cake flavor. Like that's a that's you talk about late capitalism, which I still don't exactly know what that means. I'll, no full, one I'll exactly freely knows. admit. <laughs> but you talk about like mar- as a marketing thing, that's that is incredible that birthday cake became a flavor and then also there are probably very few people who don't know what we mean when we say birthday cake flavor. Yeah, it's true. That's wild. Like that's a, that's almost you, you almost have to have to admire the marketing person that came up with that because that's like describing, I mean, it's almost like the same thing as Hawaiian punch being red flavored, (laughs) but like, you know exactly what that means too, you know? Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty incredible what they, the marketing geniuses came up with flavor wise for do you, things. I, do you ever think about that? Like how there's like all these flavors that are just like made up. Like there's no such thing as a blue raspberry. It's just that, that blew my mind because someone <laughs> brought that up to me once I was at a bar and one of my friends brought, bought some like blue raspberry candy spray and it tasted delicious <laughs> which is like the saddest part about it like i don't want to admit how much i enjoyed like spraying this blue <laughs> raspberry sugar sugar banaka into my face and he was saying he was sharing it out and we were all like spraying it into our mouths like idiots and enjoying it and then he said do you realize there there aren't blue raspberries and that's when i re- realized and i was it was incredible. It blew my mind. <laughs> but like, but that's the thing. Blue raspberry. We all know it though. It's just like, why wasn't, why wasn't raspberry enough? Like what marketing meeting happened where they were coming up with flavors and somebody was like raspberry flavor. And they're like, no, nah, raspberry flavor just doesn't have, you know, that it factor. And some other idiot was like blue raspberry. And everyone, the room just like went silent, <laughs> like out of pure awe of how genius this idea was and here we are and now that guy or then he had to come up with like what that actually was because he was just he was thought he was gonna get fired and he's just like i gotta come up with something and then he's like shit what does blue raspberry taste like and now we have that or we now we have like artificial grape flavor or um or artificial banana flavor oh yeah like whenever whenever i think of banana flavor i think of like laffy taffy that's what comes to mind right away, like banana Laffy Taffy for some reason. I'm not big on banana flavored things, but I just feel like, wow, America has uh, an incredible canon of, of flavors for things in general. Just, I never thought about it until right at this moment, but like blue raspberry birthday cake, like banana flavored things. We just, they just, these are things that are just part of, they, they just exist now. We don't even question them. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. The landscape of flavors is so different from what it would have been like a hundred years, even like fifty years ago, probably. And it's not even like we're talking about just candy. We started off talking about vodka, which is yeah, which is wild. So we're talking about flavor as a concept in America, like means like birthday cake across the spectrum 
from cookie to vodka means something that we all know, <laughs> that we all share this knowledge of. We maybe can't describe it, but we all know what it tastes like. <laughs> blue raspberry is a flavor. There uh-huh. are no blue raspberries. Red is a flavor. You know, the purple stuff in the back of the Sunny D commercial, that <laughs> was a thing. Like, uh, Oh, man. I listen to a podcast called the Purple Stuff Podcast now. Oh, that, what is it? What is it about? It's is just it, like old pop culture stuff, like like that Sunny D commercial, basically. Okay, yeah, I may I might be dating myself a little bit by referencing that the purple <laughs> stuff, but but that's yeah, that's so that's so amazing in a lot of ways, sad and amazing, I guess. Yeah. But let's let's try to keep it light, you know, keep it positive. positive. Um, I, while I've, we're... I've heard your podcast, so I, I want to keep it positive. <laughs> I don't want I don't want my episode to be no, a downer. It can episode. get dark. It can be it can be a bummer. Um, but um, while we're on the subject of flavors, um. This is actually something else from something I think you wrote on Medium like a while ago, but okay. it was just like a list of of thoughts, and one of them was like, "Why is candy corn such a divisive issue?" I don't really get it. Do you have a, Do you have a candy corn opinion before we before we delve further? I promise I don't. I don't <laughs> mind. I don't care what it is. Uh, Not that that should matter. I I don't think I'm ever gonna buy it again. I think I ha- okay. I have bought bags of it in the past. I don't think I'll buy it again, but um, if it's there, I'm probably gonna probably gonna snack on it. You know, I'm not gonna turn it down. Okay, so that that I feel like you would think that is kind of a middle ground. Yeah, it's position. the centrist candy corn yeah, position. But 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 yeah, but I would, I just thought there were more people like you out there that not aren't fanatics about it, but also you know, don't like hate it. I just thought there were a lot more people that were in between on candy corn. And if you if you spend five minutes on Twitter in October, you will find out that there are very strong opinions about candy corn. And I was, I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even have a strong opinion on, on candy corn until I saw how much people hated it. And I, I just, I became, that made me, that radicalized me about candy corn. <laughs> So I used to think it was just okay, but now I have to, you know, be the number one candy corn advocate on the internet because people hate it so much and it just seems so unnecessary to me. I just think it's, I think it's fine. I think it's sometimes if you're, especially if, you're, if I'm in the mood for it, it's, it's even really good, but I, people, people get really worked up about the candy corn thing. Like people would probably say, um, some charitable people would probably say that's my worst quality that I eat candy corn. So <laughs> Uh, I went to search candy corn on Twitter and um, one of the first things that came up and it's not someone I follow, but it just like came up mm-hmm. under the search results was um, I guess this makeup artist who uh, tweeted candy corn is trash, but my look isn't. And um, she's got like um, she used makeup on the lower half of her face to create. Have you seen like those like the skull makeup where it just looks like you have like a, a your jaw is just the bone okay yeah like really intense costume makeup it's that right. but the teeth are candy corns so i just people what? are really leave candy corn out of this like, <laughs> <laughs> like candy corn did nothing to you yeah, yeah exactly yeah you know, how did how did candy corn become a thing that you know, affected your life so deeply. I mean, maybe, maybe it did. I, you know, I'm not trying to judge anyone's life experience. You know, everyone has their own, but sure, I didn't know journey. it was such, absolutely. But the candy corn thing is, is very, is, is very much, it's a war out there when it comes to candy corn. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why, but it is. And that's how most wars are. You don't know why people are fighting. <laughs> Yeah, this oh man, I'm looking back at this person's feed and I guess she just does a lot of this stuff like there's a, a Ouija board one uh where she just wrote Ouija over her mouth and has yes or no on her eyelids and it's uh in glow in the dark paint, I guess. Um so that's cool. But um yeah, I don't know, makeup is like one of those things where like you know, it's like uh, there was a really good tweet a couple of years ago, I forget who did it, but it was like, oh, girls can make themselves look like anything with makeup and you're just going to make yourself look like a prettier girl. Like 
Just make yourself look like a giraffe. Come on. So, like, just make yourself look like a Ouija board. Come on. Let's do it. So, pe- so people are doing it. But that's the thing, you know? People are accusing accusing women of using makeup just to look at, like, a prettier girl. And there's this woman out there um, looking like a Ouija board, you know? Like, yeah. so already beat you to it is kind of how I look at it, you know? They, 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 the makeup artists are, are advanced and know what they're doing. So Absolutely. You think... You think they're just making themselves prettier women. That was your assumption. Yeah. But they're out here no, yeah. making candy corn, Ouija boards, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, some real spooky shit out here yeah, exactly. in October. How do you feel about October? Are you like an autumn person or do you prefer one of the other seasons? I like I like autumn. I'm not a big – I don't have strong opinions like on October except that I feel – like Halloween costumes are a lot of pressure. Like people mm. always want to know what you're going to be for Halloween. And I'm like, I'm 30 something. I thought people would stop <laughs> asking me that at this point, but no, people no, still ask. And, I, and I just, it was time to think about what to be for Halloween. So either I just don't do it or I try when I have a good idea, I'm excited about it. But how often does that happen when it comes to Halloween? Not very often, but I no. like autumn as far as the weather. Cause, cause the clothing I think is, is better. Like, I have a clothing, a dressing philosophy where in the summer, I feel like you have one layer to get it right. So you can wear Mm. like one shirt, like a t-shirt and it's either going to like make or break you. Like you wear like a crappy t, like your t-shirt looks crappy or it looks good. (laughs) Like you, you don't have a lot of margin for error to like look good. Yeah. Especially as like, I think that that's kind of applicable to anybody. You have fewer things to do. But you see, my thing is when it gets cold, I just wear like three shirts at once. So like one of the shirts will probably be <laughs> nice. And like even if it isn't nice, like that nice, like someone's going to look at me and be like, hey, that guy's wearing three shirts. He must be like into fashion or something. Like <laughs> he must know what he's doing. You're really like, rocking no that, that T-shirt over the long sleeve Henley look. Yeah, with like a hoodie and like a hoodie under that somehow. With oh, yeah. Out. Like, you know, just throw on some layers. That's, that's perfect. I love just throwing random layers that don't make sense together because even if even if it doesn't make sense like i feel like there are a couple people will see you and be like well you wouldn't wear that if that wasn't fashionable would he like, Ooh, yeah that's the so, trick with that stuff is to just mm-hmm. you, you just, just have, have to, to kind of own it exactly yeah that's that's the, the key and i feel i feel kind of weird because i do obviously care a lot about how I dress, even though it doesn't seem like it, <laughs> I guess sometimes. Because <laughs> I think there'd be a couple people who'd hear that and be like, "What? Like you care about how you dress? You dress like that?" But, <laughs> but men especially, I think, are just like bad at dressing themselves. So I just I feel very strongly that like the number one thing you can do for dressing better is just, and it's kind of a hard thing to do. Maybe it's just to kind of own it more and and be confident in whatever you have on. Yeah. But like it starts with that and then maybe just, you know, making more conscious choices. Cause I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't care about their clothing and that's fine. Like I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but there are a lot of people I feel like who say that they like want to dress better or dress nicer and they just like don't know how or think that they just have to spend more money or buy different things when it's more about just like making conscious choices and not just like pulling something out of your closet and throwing it on. Yeah. I think I think it's just like being more 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 decisive about what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and speaking of shirts are so are you exclusively behind no losses or are there pe- other people involved in that or No, I do I do that with my friend and I do that with one of my best friends Lucas Tyson who uh who helps me a lot with that stuff because I mean, we're basically kind of like 50-50 partners in whatever this is. Whatever, It's kind <laughs> of a very, it's an experiment in some ways. But And I, I don't think either of us would think we know enough about fashion to design anything per se. We don't really have design backgrounds or anything. It's like merch, basically. It's like yeah. we're trying to like sell things that people might like and that have that require very minimal design unless, <laughs> unless we outsource that to someone like sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll like find a friend who, you know, is a good artist or designer and, and get some help that way. Um, but it's, yeah, it's me and my friend Lucas who, who do the no losses stuff, the t-shirts and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, 
the whole no losses philosophy to, for people <laughs> for people who aren't familiar how would you how do you articulate that um i would describe it as try i don't know this sounds so funny Sorry. because i think on no it's good no it's a good question because I think on the surface, it sounds very like cocky and like self-assured mm-hmm. and, and, and it's supposed to, to, to an extent. But I think that comes from the fact that me and Lucas are both very realistic about the fact that everything around us is trash, especially, especially <laughs> today. Like everything is just, everything is just so awful, like in the world. And then you have your personal shit on top of that. And then you have just like, then you feel bad about feeling bad about your personal shit because the Mm. world around you is going to shit. And there's always going to be people, many, many people have it worse than you do. Um, So it's just the idea that, yeah, everything is kind of trash, but maybe you should try to give yourself like a little bit, a little, you need that extra push of of self-confidence and of trying to take things in stride and trying not to not to take everything that happens to you as a failure, I guess. Don't take everything that happens to you as something that you failed at or something wrong that happened to you or something that, you know, more things to feel guilty about. It's about trying to take things in stride and trying to and trying to do your best, I guess, is what I would say, even though it sounds probably a little more self-assured from that. It's self-assurance that comes from an insecure place. Yeah, no, that 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 makes total sense. Um, At least that's how I do. I don't want to speak for Lucas. Maybe he'd say something different, but I think <laughs> that we 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 kind of have a lot of that in common because it kind of just started out as as just something we would say to each other in, in times when we felt, you know, unsure or scared or mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a it's a good kind of like mantra type thing to kind of like buck up your friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I fucking love it. Um, it, it just like it fucking rules. So, um, awesome. Yeah, Thanks. I'm gonna put a link to to the No Losses uh, site in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, people should feel check free that to out. plug it. Yeah, feel free to plug it. I'm not gonna <laughs> turn away a free plug. No Losses. Yeah. NYC. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, do you wanna do you wanna move on to the only segment that we do on this show? Are the recommendation that is that's what it's called it's called um and here i leave a gap for my producer to insert the theme music get wrecked get wrecked and this is a segment where we recommend things to you the listener um and uh, i always or typically often sometimes leave it to the guests as to whether they would like to go first or would like me to go first. So I'm happy to do either. I would like you to go first, but I do have things prepared. I didn't, I didn't come here empty handed. <laughs> and um, I have, I actually have three things I want to recommend, yes. but I'll only talk about one ex- like, like extensively. The other two I'll just name. Okay, cool. Is that I mean, cool? feel free. Yeah, no, feel free to, uh, to expound on all of them if, if you want to. But if you just want to go into depth on one, that's cool too. Okay, but I'd love to hear your recommendation first. Okay, cool. So my recommendation this week is a book called Ajibota by Precious Okoyaman, Um, and it's a poetry chapbook, and it's put out by Bottle Cap Press, who you uh, may know from... Uh, God, they've put out so many cool stuff, so many cool books. Um, I think I knew them before that because they put out um, Kimmy Walter's uh, first book and also I guess her second as well they put out Killer I think earlier this year um, but this book is also poetry um, it's this really great chat book um, about just like health and like sex and bodies and it's a lot of stuff that I like in poetry it's a lot of like melty like uh, just like I don't know, rotting is the wrong word, but just like this weird sense of like the organic and um and melded with with technology in terms of just like being a person who is alive in 2017 and um you know has feelings for other people um and maybe feelings about oneself um often kind of like negative and then feeling negative about about that. Um 
And also, Precious is, like, really great on Twitter and has um, – this doesn't have a lot to do, I guess, with her book, but has, like, a really cute dog um, that she posts pictures of. And I really like the dog. Um, I forget his name. Um, but it's a great chat book. I'm reading through it right now. And you can get it at Bottlecap uh, at bottlecap.press, I think, is is their website. There will be a link to it in the show notes. That would be great because that actually sounds really awesome. So I definitely want to try to check that out. And sounds really good. Yeah, it's a great book. So uh, do you want to do your in-depth one first or one of your two shorter ones? Um, I'll do the short ones first, I guess. Okay, cool, cool. And I'll just do them randomly and just kind of leave it out there. Sure. Um, so the first one that thing I want to recommend is the movie Moon with Sam Rockwell. Ooh, Yeah. Have you seen that? I have. I saw it years ago. I think it was the yeah. first movie I watched on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I saw it a long time ago, too. It's from 2009, so it's not that old, but it's really good. Uh, so that's the one thing. Um, the second thing I would recommend is the Wikipedia page for the list of sandwiches. <laughs> so it's it's just the Wikipedia page with a list of a bunch of sandwiches, and there is some incredible stuff in there. Seriously, it's my favorite Wikipedia. Oh, page there's pictures too. There's pictures, which make it even better. And then obviously they have their own Wikipedia pages, but the now, kinds of sandwiches out there are, are pretty incredible. I'm kind of curious as to whether there was a heated debate this summer um, over the inclusion of one particular sandwich on this list um because i i feel like this summer there, this sort of debate came to a head over the hot dog thing right is the hot dog a sandwich right and, and it's just it's on the list and i'm looking at the talk page and it's a lot shorter than i was hoping for um and uh there was there was a request to change the definition of a sandwich or remove non-conforming entries um which is the most Wikipedia sentence I've ever read. Um, but yeah, no, this person wants hot dogs to not be on it. And then someone else says they are. And um, that uh, there, Oh wait, there was a discussion in 2011 about <laughs> oh. whether or not burgers are in the sandwich category. <laughs> oh, I, I had, I had, a, I had a debate with somebody about that. I forgot. I don't even remember what side I took, but they were talking about burgers or burgers may or I think how I come out is burgers may or may not be a sandwich. I think they're sandwiches, but if they're not a patty melt is a sandwich. Mm. A patty melt is definitely a sandwich. A hamburger is probably a sandwich. I'll put it that way. What is your favorite sandwich? My favorite sandwich is probably BLT. Oh, classic. I I think it just, it's, it's a, platonic ideal of a sandwich it's pretty pretty basic there's not a lot to it um but it's pretty good when it's i think a great blt is probably the best sandwich it's yeah i don't know if that's I mean, a hot take it's, it's in the top i don't think 10. it's a candy corn level hot take so no. i think hopefully no one's upset about that pick but that's my you know pick. i was always um like uh, one of the sandwiches on this list is a dagwood which uh for folks who aren't familiar is sandwich made by a horrible man in the comic blondie that's it's, it's <laughs> like the shaggy i would call it the shaggy over the dagwood um, it's the cartoon sandwich but in real life yeah but oh man those like cartoon foods that look delicious um the the giant sandwiches in cartoons looked so mm-hmm. good always and then also pizza in cartoons when it's just like really like the cheese is really just cheese stretching just sliding off of it oh, yeah that looks so delicious um so true. God, there's so many sandwiches. I love, I love the like infinite variations on the sandwich, and then also the dumpling. Like those mm-hmm. are some of my favorite things to think about because it was National Pierogi Day yesterday, apparently. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> and uh, just like oh man, it's like this is such a simple idea that basically almost every culture has a variation on like. What if we took meat or something or cheese or whatever and put it in like bread or dough to basically just like make it portable or like easier? Um, it's like such a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's one of those things that, that kind of cuts across so many cultures and there are very few things that are like that. So yeah. food, I guess, it's being like, 
a thing, yeah. Yeah, you have to get it's like on the the tech tree. Um it's like one of those things that you just have to you have to get um really early on and and then everything comes from there. Uh yeah, well this is a great article. I'm probably going to spend the rest of the night on it. Um and so what was what's the last thing? Okay, uh the last thing is a book called Slow Days Fast Company: The mm-hmm. World, the Flesh and LA by Eve Babbitts. I think that's how you pronounce her name, hopefully. Um, have you read this book before? I haven't. I think I have heard of it, oh. but I haven't read it. I did, I was given it given it by someone. They lent it to me. And uh, it's really good. It's hard to explain. It's kind of a memoir, but it's told... The chapters are, are divided more by location and story. Um, so it's very much about L.A., which I know nothing about. And it's about L.A. during the 70s. Um, so it's interesting in that it sounds like kind of a, a memoir about a place and, and place is very important. And L.A. is a very important part of the story. But she's just a really smart writer and very funny. And the thing that that gets me about the book is that it's very hard to be to write romantically about things and people and not come off as like super corny. Mm-hmm. And she just does that so well. Like she writes like beautifully romantic things about things, about people. And it's in this way that's really, really great and not corny at all. And on top of it, just being funny and smart and witty and everything else. It's, it's the, it's how she kind of romanticizes certain places and certain experiences and certain people in a way that doesn't make you cringe or embarrassed. <laughs> um, so fantastic writer. She's written a bunch of other books, but that was the first and only book I've read of hers so far. It's a pretty fast read also because it's not very long and she just, she just writes in a way that's very conversational. It's like, it's just, it's just like hearing a lot of good stories um, from a friend. And in a lot of ways, it reminds me a lot about a, a lot of, um, some of the episodes of your podcast. So that's kind of why I brought it up. I thought it was just very, it's very conversational. It's very just listening to your friend tell you this really funny story. (laughs) That sounds great. Yeah. So those are, those are my recs. I came prepared. Yeah. Thank you. So people should, uh, read two books at the same time. Well, with the, the wiki article for sandwiches open and um, while having well with, with rock with uh, with moon on in the background, and I think that'll be really the optimal um, experience for enjoying all those things. I think so. I think you'll have a great time. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been super fun, um, and I'm glad to finally actually like talk to you instead of just the talk on Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I remember. I was trying to remember if we had ever even talked that much and it wasn't that much, but we got really into the Senate train. Oh my God. The set, we didn't even talk about the Senate train. <laughs> and you, you, that was, that have was you've been on the, the Senate train? No, I haven't. I, I found out about the Senate train from another person on Twitter. And then me and you just got really into like, all right, we got to <sighs> find this train. We started Googling pictures. It got, it got a little intense. So I think that like, that was the tie. That I think that it, was so. it. So I guess for people who have no idea what we're talking about, um, there is a train in the, um, there's a, the U S Capitol in DC has a subway system and all it does is connect the Capitol to the house and the Senate office buildings. Um, and it's just like this tiny underground train, uh, with like six it stations. It looks like a cartoon roller coaster. <laughs> It looks ridiculous. It's a choo-choo. It's a kid's it choo-choo is. train. It's like that, they're not even like real trains. They're just like little carts. It's like it's like a level in Donkey Kong. It's incredible <laughs> what this train looks like. You it's a look mine it cart. Yeah, uh, it absolutely yeah. is an 80-year-old man riding in a mine cart to work to <laughs> ruin the country. Amazing. Oh, God. God. And apparently thank people you for, can ride it. Thank you so. for reminding me of this. I'd forgotten about it. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up the Senate train because I think that's what, you know, got us got us our internet friendship. Yeah, well, I'm thankful to the Senate train for doing this. Um, same, same. And for transporting our hardworking U.S. senators to 
I can't even. Um, I, can't, <laughs> I can't. Um, but at least it makes them look uh, slightly more doofy. I guess that's. I'll take it. Um, yeah, take what you can get these days. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and obviously, um, you know, if people, uh, people want to find you on Twitter, they're at YC, which is like amazing. Get. Um, the two-letter Twitter. <laughs> yeah, very, 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 uh, very important because it's very easy to convey to people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I have to say mine, and sometimes people will go to the, they'll spell it with one T, and they'll go to this other person who's an NPR reporter. Oh wow! And um, yeah, they to share that with someone. That's we, unfortunate. We get some. They should. We get some cross wires. Yeah, she should probably delete her account. She's. You know, doing way more important work than me, but uh, but I I was have, was here first, so um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's end on a little yeah. petty jab there. <laughs> yeah, I loved I I love to end with pettiness, you know. Um, Who doesn't? But uh, yeah, thank you again, and um, yeah, I will talk to you later. Have a good night. All right, thanks for having me. Good night. Bye. Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>